Hey, this is Rich. This is Cass. This is Jacob. This is Luke. Yes, Salut, c'est Jonathan Mercier. Welcome to the Hillsong Creative Micropod. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Rich Langton, and I'm so glad that you've joined us yet again for another uh, another episode. On today's episode, we've got Ben Fielding, uh, who you will know from uh, Hillsong Worship. He's one of our worship leaders, one of our songwriters, and uh, he's a good friend of ours and a great part of our team. A couple of weeks ago, he spoke at Team Night here at the Hills Campus, and the message he spoke was something that we weren't going to share with you. But but after he spoke, we felt like it was it was uh, applicable to not just our local team here, but worth sharing with all of you. The topic is really interruption, and I won't steal his thunder, but I think we've all found these last 12 months to be a bit of an interruption, and I think in life, sometimes we can be interrupted, and that can be so disturbing and so and, and perhaps even put us off track. Uh, in today's message from Ben, we've, we hear how perhaps God might want to use those interruptions, and that could be in your creativity, that could be in regular life, could be in your service at your church. I'm not sure where you'll find it, but I, I'd encourage you that as you listen, you, uh, you'd apply it to wherever you find yourself being interrupted, and maybe, just maybe, God might want to turn that around and use it for His glory. So I'll hand it over to Ben, and we'll talk to you soon. I want to talk tonight about um, interruption and being interrupted. Does anyone like being interrupted? Yeah, exactly. No one likes being interrupted. It's, it's an awful thing. Being interrupted is one of my least favorite things in life. You know, people who um, interrupt you when you're speaking or try to finish your sentences, you know, those people. Yeah. Nobody in this room looks straight ahead. Nobody in this room. But you think about um, the offense, um, speaking of going to jail, there should be an offense for interrupting. And... I think the most aggravating circumstance for the offence would be enclosed spaces. So you know when you're on a plane or you're, you're somewhere where you can't go anywhere and, and, and you're trying to, you know, just be in your little bubble and someone keeps interrupting you, they want to have the conversation. You know like the, the earphones when you're watching the movie? To me that is the most obvious sign that the conversation's over. There's, there's no more conversation. But I've had people that, you know, tap them, you know, want to continue. I'm like, this is an offence. Well, you know, you, when you sit on the aisle and, and you're asleep and the only way out is for somebody to basically push past you and wake you up, interruption. No one likes being interrupted. If you've got kids, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> kids, the word kids and interrupt, they're like synonyms. It's the same thing. Like I think about my, my kids trying to teach them not to interrupt conversation. And it's like a real, pro, it's so counterintuitive for kids. You've got to start really basic. So... You know, you're t- you might be having the most important conversation, a like really sensitive conversation. And kids don't care. They come up, they're like, Dad, Dad. You're like, Dad, Dad. They just keep going. So you have to teach them, don't just come and say, Dad, say, excuse me. And so then, of course, they come up and they're like, excuse me, Dad, excuse me, excuse me. And they're same, exactly the same thing, just different words. And in the end, you, you get them to the point where they, you tell them you've got to find a socially appropriate gap, you know, in the conversation, which is just a foreign concept when you're three, four years old. And so as soon as there's a break, doesn't matter again what the conversation's about, they interject and it can be with the most inappropriate thing, but they don't care. Tony knows what I'm talking about. He's put up with Matt for so many years. He's still, he's still a work in progress, Matty. That's all good. That's all good. Interruption. We don't like being interrupted. You know, I think about um, the year that we've just had 
And, um, you know, it's been a year that's been marked by interruption. You know, so many things have just not gone to plan. And um, even the, the biggest introverts in the room, um, you know, you might quietly have enjoyed like a little bit of solitude at the start, but it's been a year of huge interruption. And so I wanted to talk tonight about interruption because I believe even in the middle of like unholy interruptions, like the ones I've just described, um, God wants to show up. And I believe that, that God brings holy interruptions into our life. And even sometimes in the, the middle of things that seem like unholy interruptions, God wants to meet us there. And maybe God wants to interrupt us for His purpose, for His, um, for His glory. And I believe when God brings a holy interruption, uh, it's the kind of interruption where God like, reminds us who we are. He reminds us that we're called. He reminds us that we're loved. He reminds us of our identity, of who He is, that we ought to have relationship with Him. It's the kind of interruption that sets us back on course. And so I wanted to talk about that tonight because I think about the year that we've all had and, and I think in many ways, if we're being honest, that we've all kind of found ourselves in those places where um, you know, we've been like, put off course a little bit um, or we find ourselves now back in kind of doing life somewhat normally, like back in church, we're back on rosters, we're back kind of like almost life as usual. We can find ourselves back in sort of a holding pattern, like back in a status quo. And I think God maybe just wants to interrupt us again. He wants to remind us of why it is that he called us in the first place. He might even want to just remind you that you are called, that God's got a plan for your life. His hand is on your life. He gifted you. He's equipped you. He wants you to live a life that's a passionate life, not a life where you're just going through the motions. And so tonight I wanted to talk about one character. Um, he pops up in the Bible for one verse. So my, my message is based around one scripture. It's one verse. Who likes that kind of message? That's good. That's easy. That's easy. And it's, it's the character Simon of Cyrene. And so he's this mysterious character that shows up. He's the man that carries the cross for Jesus. And we don't really know a lot about him, but, but he pops up in the Scripture. And um, he, he enters the Scripture at a time, uh, it's Passover in Jerusalem. And so it's the most sacred week for, for the Jewish people. And uh, it's, it also happens to be the first Easter. And uh, we just had Easter. And I don't know if you've got family traditions at Easter. People have a lot of family traditions at Christmas, but we try to create family traditions in my home. My wife loves traditions. And so, you know, whatever it is, she likes getting dressed up on Good Friday. And she has like the kind of like, I don't know if it's a Canadian thing, but she loves it. She loves traditions. And, uh, but I think back to my childhood traditions at Easter. And my dad, um, and Ben Field, by the way, who I grew, we literally lived on the same street. We were in the same grade two class. Ben Field, Ben Fielding, Miss Devaney, grade two teacher, went to the same Little Aths, same church, and ate the same Easter eggs, which is the story I'm about to tell. My dad, what he would do, he, he loves a bargain, Gary Fielding. And... Um, Loves a bargain. So like the day after Easter, you know, Easter Monday, and um, Easter eggs heavily discounted. My dad would just, he just saw, all he saw was opportunity. So he would walk in, he'd buy like Easter eggs, but not to give us and say, you know, Easter Bunny was a little late this year. He would buy it for the next year. And so they would, that's true, Benfield can verify, they would sit in the cupboard for 12 months. So every year I had like white chocolate, but it but it wasn't originally white chocolate. I remember there was one time my dad, he, um, he was trying to cut the Easter egg because he, he was one short, so we had to, I had to share one with my sister. And he was trying to cut this Easter. It was a Humpty Dumpty egg. 
bring back the Humpty Dumpty. Apparently they cancelled them. Thank you. Um, but he's trying to cut this Easter egg and it's on a plate and I can hear him. He's saying, Wilma, my mum. He's like, Wilma, hold the plate steady. And dad's trying to cut the egg. And you just hear this massive crash and dad's like broken the plate and the egg's kind of broken. And there's plate and there's chocolate all together. And I walk back in and dad's trying to pick the... He's still good. He's trying to pick the chocolate out um, for Easter. But he also used to shop, and Ben can verify this too, at a store called Not Quite Right. And um, true. And what it was was all out of date food. And it's like what my dad would buy. Like, and so like frozen things, like frozen pies, frozen donuts, dad would buy them. And he was like, they're outside the use by day. He's like, but they're frozen. I was like, but dad, they factor that in when they're putting the use by. So it's like, it might have a four year expiration date. And dad's like, still good for another year or two. And so that's what I grew up with. But back to the story, back to Passover and back to the tradition at the time. Fortunately, people had more like family-friendly traditions than my Easter family tradition. And people would come, um, the Bible says in, in Acts 2, from all the surrounding nations. Um, uh, people who were Jewish, people who had converted to Judaism would literally travel miles and miles to come to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And so that's where we find this story. We, we, we find... Um, Simon of Cyrene, where Jesus has, um, he's been presented in front of Pontius Pilate. He's been handed over to the people without uh, valid conviction. And he's been led through the streets of Jerusalem and, and he's been beaten. He's, he's carrying the cross. And, and there's no way that in, in that day you could have ignored uh, that kind of motley procession through the, these cobbled streets of Jerusalem. There's Jesus carrying his cross. And as he heads up towards um, the skull-shaped hill, Golgotha, he can barely carry the cross. He's so badly wounded. And that's where we, we find um, in Mark chapter 15, verse 21. It's going to come up on the screen. We find this. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. And then that's it. It just passes on to... And then Jesus was taken, he was nailed to the cross. So Simon enters the story where Jesus is unable to carry his cross and a Roman soldier just chooses him out, says, you're, you're the guy, you're going to carry the cross. And we can like read that scripture with all of the, the benefit of hindsight and think, well, what a, like we can romanticise the idea. Like what an incredible opportunity Simon had, you know. He got to partner with, with Jesus. He got to be part of of you know, the crucifixion, the, the, the Easter story, the resurrection, the centrepiece of our faith. But the reality was for Simon that he, he's passing by. He had no intention to be uh, embroiled in this, in this motley procession that was taking place. So why was Simon in Jerusalem? It's really probable that he was there because he was one of these pilgrims that would, had converted to Judaism from Cyrene and he had travelled to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. So here's Simon traveling all that way to be in Jerusalem to be singled out by a Roman guard to carry the cross. And so why Simon? And the answer is probably because he didn't look Jewish. And the Roman soldiers were instructed that they weren't to disrupt the, the sacred customs of, of the Jewish people. And so it's Passover, it's the most sacred time. And so he's, he's seen Simon and he's, he's pulled Simon out from the crowd. And so why, why is it that, that to touch the cross uh, would, would be in breach of, of uh, Jewish tradition and custom? 
And it's because they, they believe that to touch the cross was to be impure, was to be made unclean. And so when you think of it like that, here's Simon. This is an unholy interruption by all accounts on its face. Here's Simon who's he's, he's doing what he thinks is the right thing. He's a pilgrim. He's pursuing God. And he's travelled, um, they say, 1,263 kilometres from Cyrene to Jerusalem. And uh, what I understand from all biblical historians is that he didn't fly commercial. And, and he, didn't, he didn't fly private either. He's, he's travelled probably by foot. Um, story goes that he, he had his, his family with him. He's travelled 1,263 kilometres to celebrate Passover and now he's not going to be able to celebrate Passover. That is not a welcome interruption. But what we learn is that, that Simon of Cyrene, he, he didn't shun the interruption, but he embraced it and actually changed the course of his life. Because when we look at that scripture, what it does tell us is that he's the father of Alexander and Rufus. It's pretty much the only information we have about him apart from where he came from. And that's, that's important because it's most likely that when, when Mark was writing his account, he was writing to early believers and it's, it's quite likely that they knew who Alexander and Rufus were, which suggests that they were, they were believers, which suggests that Simon is, becomes a convert to Christianity. He becomes a follower of Jesus, which is a crazy thought. So his decision to embrace that holy interruption didn't just change his life, but it changed the, the course of his family's life. It, it was generational, the, the change that it brought. And so it gets me thinking about us and it gets me thinking about myself. And I think about, you know, the times where we find ourselves, um, you know, in this, this sort of pattern of, you know, where, where maybe even kind of on a pilgrimage, we find ourselves trying to do the things that would please God. We're serving God where, um, you know, you might even be on staff at, at our church. You, you might be a key volunteer. You might be somebody that's been around for a lot of years. And we find ourselves pursuing God um, and my encouragement tonight is from Simon. Let's be people that even when we're doing that, that we're open to the holy interruption of God, that we'd be attentive to what it is that God might be saying to us, the nudges, the, the redirection of our course that God might be wanting to bring. And so I think about um, what are the things that, uh, that help, that bring holy interruption to our lives. And I think they're the same old things that we've known for so many years are the things that help interrupt our status quo. You know, um, Walter Brueggemann in his book, The Prophetic Imagination, it's one of my favourite books, he talks about this thing called the royal consciousness. It's like a numbness that, that we can live in. And, and I think we, I can resonate with that, that you can kind of get in this place where life just kind of is on course. You're just kind of, you're going through the motions. And the prophet's job was and is to disrupt and interrupt that, that status quo, that numbness, and remind us of the fact that we're created in the image of God, that we serve a living God who is active here today. He's the same God that did incredible things through biblical history. He's here today. He's in our church. He's in our midst right now. And that we, we're not to live lives of, of just of numbness. We're to live lives that are full and lives that are passionate. I'd encourage you not to, not to go through another month where you um, just go about your work and go about your family life and go about your friendships in a way where you accept just like mediocrity, you accept something that's okay. 
I just really believe that God wants more for you. He wants more for me. He wants more for us. He wants us to live lives that are passionate, passionate about the things that he's put in our lives, passionate about the people that we get to do life with. So the things that I think bring holy interruption, I think community brings holy interruption. When we have godly friendships, godly conversations, godly relationships, I think um, worship is definitely a holy interrupter. Worship's the kind of thing that it, it changes our perspective. It reminds us that who God is. It reminds us of our, of our place in the world. And we're reminded of the character of God. I think um, prayer is, is a holy interrupter. You know, when we take the time to actually listen to God and to, to seek His voice, where we stop in, in the hallways, we stop in our homes and around our dinner tables, and we take time to pray and to, to hear God for one another. Reading the Scriptures is a holy interrupter. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I need peace and I don't know where to find it. And I open up the Bible and I, f- and I find peace. Like I feel like God speaks to me and it changes not just how I feel, but it actually changes my whole perspective. I think we've got to be people that read the Bible, allow God to interrupt us with his word. And then I think about, um, you know, uh, Brother Lawrence, his book, Practicing the Presence of God. And I think that that's such an important thing for us as believers too. And in essence, what he's saying is just every moment is a moment that's infused with the presence of God, where we can hear God, we can know God better. I think about surrender. And I think about the Luke 9 kind of surrender, the the taking up our cross daily. And I think about what Simon did. And what a great reminder that taking up our cross is not just us dying to ourselves. That's half of repentance. But the other half is actually taking up the cause of Christ, becoming co-laborers with Jesus, becoming partners in what it is that God's doing. So I want just to pray, just as we finish, if you want to stand, I want to pray for two groups of people. Um, The first is... Uh, just people who need a holy interruption, that desperately need God right now um, to know the voice of God, for God to kind of reset your course. Maybe you need to be reminded that, that God's got more for your life, that God is present, that God, He wants to pull you into His purpose to change the course of your life. Maybe you feel you resonate a little bit with that idea of being in a bit of a holding pattern. I just believe God's going to speak to you tonight. He's going to speak purpose into your life. He's going to reignite the passion in your life, that the thing that brought you to Him in the first place. And then secondly, I just wanted to pray for um, anybody here tonight where you have been, had like a really unholy interruption where something's happened. Um, it could be over the last 12 months and with work, it could be um, sickness, it could be something with, with family, with, with your marriage, with relationships. Um, and you've, it's, there's been a serious interruption. And I just want to believe that in the middle of that for you tonight, that God might bring His holy interruption to the interruption, that you'd see Him turn around circumstances, that you'd see Him set relationships back on course, that He'd give you wisdom to know how to navigate your marriage, how to navigate your family situation. So come on, can we combine our faith? Why don't we lift our hands across this place? And God, I just pray for anybody here tonight who desperately just needs to hear afresh from you. God, we know that your heart is not to be distant from your people, but it's to be close. And so God, we choose to draw near to you tonight, knowing that you draw near to us. God, I pray you would correct our course. God, I pray where we need to repent, that we would repent. God, where we need forgiveness, you would forgive us. God, but I pray that we would 
know that your, your, your purpose for our life is rich. That God, you didn't call us just to eternal life to come, but you called us to a full life now. And so I just pray that you would be filling again your people, that you would fill us to be able to be great partners, great friends, um, great servants of your purpose. And then I also just want to pray for anybody tonight that desperately needs to see an interruption interrupted with your purpose. And God, I just uh, confess over any sickness that you are the healer, over any need where there's lack, God, that you are the provider. God, where there's um, breakdown in relationships, God, that you are love, that, that you're, you are a relational God. I just pray that you would give wisdom, that you by your Holy Spirit would just guide conversations. God, that we would know your presence in, in the darkest of moments, in the most difficult of moments, that we would know that you are there with us. And so God, we thank you that you care about all the details, that you care about the little things, you care about the big things. And so God, we love you, we worship you, and we give you praise in advance. In the name of Jesus, we all said, Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope that it, hope that it's really useful to you. If the podcast is useful and helpful to you, if you're enjoying it, then I'd love to invite you to share it on social media or maybe to text it, you know, share a link with a friend. Uh, if you tag Hillsong Creative at Hillsong Creative, uh, maybe we'll repost you. I don't know. <laughs> and if, you, uh, if you're not yet subscribed, let me just take this opportunity to uh, invite you to do that as well. You'll get notified of new episodes whenever they're released least. Also, if you haven't heard, we've launched a brand new podcast called The Praying Through the Bible with Hillsong Creative. It's designed to help you get more out of the Word of God in your daily life. So I'd encourage you to search Hillsong Creative or Praying Through the Bible. Subscribe to that one too. And of course, obviously rate it and let us know how you're enjoying that one too. Well, thanks again for being part of us and with us on the journey. And we'll talk to you next time.